Hello. Is this thing on? Okay, the trick is to not move the microphone at all, Vivian. Don't think about moving it because it will make a horrible, horrible sound, which you'll then have to edit out and you can't do because editing is beyond your technical capability. So just do not move. I'm currently in bed right now and I should really be doing this by my desk, but it's half past 10 on Wednesday, the 1st of July. Bloody hell. And I am recording this podcast late because I've just fucked around in bed. I've just been watching The Sinner on Netflix, reading the news, catching up on today's society and what's wrong with it. And just, you know, going on the dating apps every so often. Um, So welcome to another episode of But Where Are You From? An upbeat and relatable podcast about life as a British-born Chinese person, which is inclusive for everyone. I've stopped saying it's just for British-born Chinese people, even though that is the main demographic. However, I want to be all-inclusive to everyone. So I want to start off by reading some amazing comments that I've received, not comments, messages. So the first one, I keep these all anonymous by the way. Hi Viv, I've just started listening to your podcast via Rice to Meet You, which is another comedy, not another because we're not a comedy podcast. They are a comedy podcast by Nigel Ong and Evelyn Mock and they are two comedians based in the UK. I'd just like to thank you for giving us BBCs a platform to express our views. I'm a bit older than you, but it seems our upbringings are very similar. Parents had a chippy in the home counties, went to Chinese school, although luckily I ended up getting my Chinese GCSE. Ooh. And sadly, my dad passed away 18 months ago, so bracing myself to listen to your episode on grief. Keep up with the good work. That is so kind. And it's really quite touching how many people messaged in about the episode about grief and just how many people were were able to relate to it in some way. It's really sad that so many people have had a parent that has passed away, but it was also kind of comforting on that day, especially that we could all message each other and just, you know, say, hope you're okay and all that kind of stuff. Second message. Hi Viv, I've been wanting to message you since the first episode of But Where Are You From came out and I finally decided to do it. Why can't I read? Have I got an issue? I have so much I want to say to you, but I'll start with this. Thank you so much for deciding to make your podcast. I am a 17-year-old Londoner with a British-born Malaysian Chinese mum and white British dad. I've had my fair share of identity crisis growing up mixed race and not having anyone to talk about that experience. It's been especially, especially important to me my whole life to connect with my Chinese side, almost to prove my Asian-ness because I felt insecure about being half. Your podcast has really made me understand and seen in a country where BBC representation is so lacking. You've kept me company for so many hours where I felt lonely during lockdown. And then she carries on to say, P.S. on a long, very long side note, sorry, never apologise, never ever apologise for taking the time to message me because it's incredible that we are talking in the first place and that this podcast has reached you. So never, ever apologize. I just found out that in the 90s, my mum realized there were no British born Chinese groups that she could join to meet others and share experiences. There were Chinese groups and communities, but not British born Chinese. She and my dad started getting in contact with other BBCs to see if they would be interested in setting up a group. They all met at a cafe and later my parents met with the founder of a Chinese group and they told about 
They told him about the lack of community for BBCs to meet. After this, he created a BBC subgroup, and it has grown ever since into the Facebook group you see today. So, oh, who the fuck is ringing me? Fuck's sake. Sorry about that, guys. What was I up to? Um, so I guess my parents sort of kind of were the ones to push for the creation of that BBC community. Sorry, you're going to have to read this incredibly long message. Oh, no, don't apologise, like I said. How cool is that? So I'm on a couple of BBC groups on Facebook, and it's so awesome that her parents were the ones that noticed that there's a lack of BBC representation in these support groups. That's incredible. So, yeah, thank you so much for those messages. That's really kind. So how are we all? I don't really have a theme for this podcast. I changed it earlier on this week and I kind of just wanted to talk because there's been a few things that happened this week which I had so many thoughts on, so many rambly thoughts and it started on Monday. It started on Monday when this British-born mixed race, some half Chinese, half English TV chef, Gwoklin Wan. He is the brother of Gokwan, and I'm pretty sure he hates being referred to as Gokwan's brother, but he's the more famous one. So. so he basically posted a promotion of an Instagram live that he was doing for a recipe for Chinese style buffalo chicken wings. And he wrote in the post that will chink up a classic recipe. So obviously when that post was first shared around, British born Chinese people or just Chinese people just started to comment on his post and say, you can't say this word and how wrong it was. And then he issued an apology, which wasn't really an apology of any sort. He essentially just denied all kinds of accountability and says, chinking it up. Not every phrase has a racist connotation. For the last 40 years, this is the term that has been used widely in my world, something up until this morning I saw no harm in using, especially as a Chinese man. But it would appear many found it derogatory. Sorry if I upset anyone. So a lot of people took offence to this. Firstly, writing for the last 40 years isn't any type of justification for a really outdated, antiquated and belittling racist term. And it doesn't really matter how the word was dressed up and saying sorry if I upset anyone is not an apology it doesn't take any acknowledgement into account or any responsibility what really riled me up was his subsequent reaction to people posting so rather than keeping the comments on there he started to block and delete anyone who disagreed with him and kept on all the comments that agreed with him and said oh Gwaklin, don't listen to these people. I wasn't offended. And the people that were saying they weren't offended were white people. And it's like, oh, you're a white person. You weren't offended by the word chink. Really? That's so interesting. Pray tell. Please tell me why you're not offended by the word. So a few of me and my friends, we, and then a lot of people from the BBC group, we all commented on his post and then uh, we were all blocked and deleted i wrote something this big comment um on his post that was deleted did it on twitter was blocked and deleted and i think that is very telling in itself the fact that he decided to censor anyone who disagreed with him he's now made his twitter and instagram private what he said it could have just been an innocent mistake That wasn't the issue. It was his reaction thereafter, as in like love heart emojiing, white people's 
comments supporting him and ignoring our comments and also making some snide remarks apparently to other people um, in private messages too. So that was the start of the tirade that happened on Monday. And then secondly, we saw the news break about a second flu strain that was found in China and the BBC reported this um, on, I think it was Monday night, and all the comments in the Facebook comment section, which is a dangerous place to go. I do not advise anyone to go in there, into the trenches, into the front line of the comment section of any public forum, because it is a dangerous and scary place where you you just see all the overt racists just come out to play and they really don't give a shit. I was going to read out the comments, but I don't want this to trigger anyone. I really want to keep this space as safe and positive as possible for British-born Chinese people. But essentially, it was people saying that they were going to do things that were not very nice towards Chinese people. And just racist remarks, essentially. And my two sisters, I am so proud of them. And they're probably going to cringe so much when I say that. Because we don't really show each other affection in that way. But I really am because they decided to go into the front line, into the trenches, and they started commenting back on people just making racist remarks towards Chinese people. And I was like, hats off to you. That's so brave. I've not done that. And it was just really heartbreaking to see the replies and lots of Karens on the post, just not understanding why what they were saying were racist in the first place, which was soul destroying, really soul destroying and actually really upsetting. That night, it really got to me. I actually recorded sometimes I do this thing I don't know whether you guys do this but I record voice notes myself I guess this is just like a very 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 long voice note (laughs) this whole podcast thing the voice notes that I made are just for me just to rant how I'm feeling I either send a note to myself on my phone or do a voice note and the voice note is basically me crying (laughs) it's so pathetic now I think about it but actually my feelings are also very valid I know that but at the time I was just like oh my god I feel so hopeless like there's people that live in this town that probably have the same thoughts that these people in the Facebook comment sections do about wanting to hurt Chinese people and thinking that we are all to blame for coronavirus as if we wanted it to happen um and I felt really hopeless you know like my mental health really took a dive on uh, Monday night because I just felt like there is just so much work to do there is just so much more work to do so I deleted Instagram off my phone I go through phases of doing this from time to time sometimes I love Instagram and I love chatting to people on there other times I delete it for a few days. I've not done that for a while, actually. I remember going a month. It was like a challenge that I did with my best mate and Steph where we just deleted it for a whole month and I didn't miss it one bit. Yeah, so I deleted it just because I was so overwhelmed with... Instagram's not even that bad. It's more so just like looking back on my stories that I posted about these Facebook commenters and just thinking, ah, oh, like how can people still think in this way? It's crazy. And I just began thinking about how I just felt really alone, just felt really alone and that people weren't showing the support when they needed to, you know, like vocally. But then 
I think I was in a very much like a victim mindset, like, where is everyone? Why is no one here? But then I realised that people won't help you unless you ask. Sometimes you just have to be as explicit about it as possible and just ask and be like, guys, we need your help here. Because I think people just go about their daily lives and are quite passive about it. They might sympathise behind the screen, but in terms of genuinely taking some action and doing something about it, it's quite different. And I know I've certainly been guilty of that. I still am, actually. Sorry, I still am. Like, when I just see posts, I'm like, oh my God, that's terrible. But then I flick through and then I don't think much more of it. So I definitely don't blame anyone for not kind of you know, stepping in. But I think at that time, it's like, you know, when you see your sisters getting bullied, and you're like, Why? where are my friends? I just want them to be like, you know, stand in solidarity together. So then that happened. And me and my sisters and a few friends were all feeling the effects of that. We're all feeling quite angry from, firstly, a Chinese man using that word and thinking it's okay and validating other people, other white people in saying that word because he endorses it and he says it's okay. And then secondly, seeing more and more representation in the media of how Chinese people are portrayed and the commenters, the Facebook commenters and just how explicitly racist they are. It's extremely triggering and I'm sure this is the same for lots of people listening. I know I've spoken to so many of you on Instagram about how recently we've just felt so attacked and it kind of feels like, like I don't know about the second wave of coronavirus, but there's certainly a second wave of East Asian racism at the moment. It's It feels like it's amping up again. Uh, now that lockdown is easing for some reason. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know whether it's all just compounding together, but I certainly feel there's more things I'm seeing, which leads me on to my second point. So both The Guardian and the BBC did a report about how Leicester, the city, might be going back into lockdown again because they have higher cases of coronavirus. And both media outlets decided to depict East Asian women wearing face masks as the main headline image for these news articles. So the first time I saw this, I was so angry. I tweeted The Guardian. People liked it and retweeted, but nothing happened. There was no change from that. And I was just like, okay, well, we are one voice. We are but one person. I can't I can't do anything about this. They're not going to listen to little old me. But then it was that night when I was thinking, this is the time when I just, I really need people's support. I really need more voices because the louder we are together, the harder it is to ignore. So the next day, this morning actually, woke up, went on the BBC and I saw another fucking image of an East Asian woman being represented to show them talking about Leicester's lockdown um, thing that's happening again. Sorry, I explained that so badly. You know what I mean? And I was just like, fuck this. So obviously I'm meant to be working at the moment, but this completely derailed me into just a rampage of hammering the BBC. And I put it all over Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And I explicitly said to anyone who's listening on social media, I literally need you right now. Please, instead of just retweeting and liking, 
comment on my Twitter post, change the image, just do that. And we had, it was amazing actually, just seeing the amount of people that did it straight away. Didn't even message me to say I've done it. They just did it without a second thought. It's incredible, isn't it? It's almost like we need like just very, very simple call to actions to enable us to do something. And I was so humbled to see that. So many people jumped on it. And I had friends who worked at the BBC, podcast listeners, Olivia, if you're listening, thank you so much because Olivia actually works at the BBC. We managed to get one image change from the article. Georgie Ma, who listened to the podcast, she messaged me whilst I was on the toilet and she screenshotted the photo and she went, babe, it's changed. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I was so happy. I couldn't believe that just a few voices had made this change. And then Olivia, she emailed someone directly internally at the BBC and managed to change another part of the website And then again, there was another journalist called Tony Rowe who had posted the same image, but he had no control over it that apparently. He just wrote the article, the same image of two East Asian women. And she emailed them directly and that's being changed too. Honestly, this has given me hope again because it just makes you realise that you're not alone. I think on Monday night, I was just like, I'm so alone in this journey. You know, I was proper like feeling sorry for myself, which is just really pathetic and after just doing the simple thing of asking for help it's literally like that's my worst thing is asking for help I'm so bad at that but as soon as I did that I just said please can my friends come and help me and they did and they pulled through and we managed to change the posts of the BBC showing East Asian women to a photo of a white woman wearing a mask. Most of you listening to this will probably be aware of why that is so damaging. Um, But having a photo of Chinese people or East Asians for something that represents the whole world, this is a global pandemic, this isn't just affecting East Asians, it's really damaging because it perpetuates the idea that we are all virus carriers as East Asians and it results in verbal abuse, hate crime, harassment, racism... So that's why it's so damaging. And I think it's quite interesting that someone posted the Guardian screenshots of the article with the East Asian women on and posted it on a British-born Chinese group. And it's so interesting how racism is so subtle that even our own community didn't recognise that it was and didn't see a problem with the image because it wasn't negatively portraying East Asian people. It's so subtle that even like we can't detect it and... To be fair, if I wasn't so, like, probably defensive about racism at the moment, I I probably, it probably would have slipped my mind. I probably would have thought, oh, well, there you go. You know, I guess there are East Asians in Leicester. Well, there's 1.29% of East Asians in Leicester. Sorry, Chinese people in Leicester. (laughs) It's not representative in the slightest. And that's what was shocking to me. You're talking about Leicester, the whole of the city of Leicester, and you choose photos of East Asian women. Nah, do better next time. Do better. And it's just so weird that we have to be like, oh my God, thanks to the BBC for changing this image. Like, no, we shouldn't even be grateful. We shouldn't even have to think about how the media represent other races. We shouldn't even have to think about the fact that it could be damaging to us, but it is because it's like it's a personal attack on who we are. All in all, 
I would say it's been a pretty triggering week. Don't know about you. And don't know how much I can say about this topic, but our Hong Kong family, I am thinking of you. My heart breaks when I think about the situation that Hong Kong are in at the moment and just all my family over there. And and I'm sure lots of people who are listening at the moment are feeling exactly the same. It's just devastating. If you don't know what's happened, basically Hong Kong, well, Beijing has passed this law called the National Security Law, I think. Sorry, I might have paraphrased that, which basically strips the democratic rights of Hong Kong people, which is very different from people in mainland China, which is governed by the CCP. So feeling very sad. Don't know how much more I can say about it because this rule applies to people outside of Hong Kong as well. I just hope everyone's okay. I just hope they still have their voice and their freedom. And yeah, it's a sad time. I haven't done a How Asian Are You segment thing today because, I don't know, this week I'm not feeling upbeat. I know this is meant to be a upbeat and relatable podcast, but I'm not feeling upbeat, not feeling great. There's too many things going on in the world. And I can't think of any questions, to be honest. So if you have any questions that you want to submit for How Asian Are You, please drop into my DMs at Fifth the Div. Send me a question. Please send me a question. Even if you're not Chinese, I'd be interested to hear what you think. Or could that be dangerous territory? I don't know. Could I call you out on racism? <laughs> um, I just haven't done one. And I just wanted to talk today. I just wanted to talk about these subjects that have been happening in the world. And one thing that I wanted to originally talk about before all this other stuff happened, and I'm going to touch on it very briefly, was the fact that I think I never want anyone to think that because we talk about being anti-racist on here, we talk so much about East Asian racism, Black Lives Matter, that I am, in what's the word? I am devoidant no i am impartial no i am away from the situation what is the fucking word i am like away from the situation (laughs) did i really study english language because i really don't think i can speak anyway what i'm trying to say is i am racist too let's just put it out there we all have racist thoughts. And I was having this discussion with another Chinese friend of mine who mentioned as a joke last year that I didn't even have any Chinese friends up until last year, very recently, and how I really wanted to be as white as possible in that sense. I've always worked in white companies, apart from working in my mum and dad's takeaway and other Asian establishments. Um, but in terms of my like career, I've just always been around the white community and it got me thinking about this and just how much it rang true so I've always dated white people apart from one guy and then I've been on a few dates with one black guy and that's it does Italian count I went on one date with him but he was terrible in fact it it lasted two hours that date because as soon as I met him we met on a dating app as soon as I met him I was just like nope you're not the one like straight away Anyway, yes, I've always dated white people. I've always had white friends. And looking back, I definitely had moments of looking down on Chinese people. And I think when I unpack this, it definitely comes from internalised racism towards wanting to fit in 
to my white community and not having a community of my own in in a Chinese sense. Growing up watching Western stuff, growing up in Warrington, it's probably had more of a long-standing effect on me than I thought it would. And I denied for a long time learning about Chinese culture. I hated Chinese school, but then again, who likes Chinese school? I felt embarrassed that my Chinese parents couldn't speak English well enough, even though like they speak Mandarin, Hakka, Cantonese, and they learnt English in another country. Like, you know, that's insane. That's four languages. But I was embarrassed that they couldn't speak to my friends properly in Chinese. And I, w- I was so worried that people wouldn't be able to understand them. And like teachers and school friends and, you know, like friends, parents and whatnot. Like I wanted to look Western. I desperately wish that I had like a higher bridge on my nose. Um, I wish I had blue eyes. I wish to have blonde hair. I kind of do still because my hair is like, well, it's like a ginger at the moment. It, it was meant to be blonde, but, you know, lockdown happened. Getting it done though on Monday. Thank God. Thank God. God, because it's so bad. Like, even my sister, she was like, Viv, your hair looks terrible. You look like a triad. So bad. That's such a bad joke, Steph. Um, But yeah, I'm going darker again because I can't deal with the maintenance of having to put purple shampoo on it every single wash. So I definitely wanted to assimilate myself with being adjacent to white people, especially at work. Like, I can fit in very well in a room full of white men. That's quite scary, isn't it? That I can do that. But then I never felt at one with them either because why would I? I'm not a white man. I never will be. So it's crazy that I was trying to even assimilate any type of whiteness when I'll never be white. And by the way, again, this is not me saying I hate white people. I'm not saying that. I have lots of white friends. Like, I'm not saying that I don't like white people at all. I'm just saying that I definitely was striving for something that wasn't achievable as an East Asian person. I was never going to be white and I think I really had to dig deep. And this podcast has been a really good explanation as to why I've had these thoughts. It's almost like therapy in a sense. Why did I think that I needed to be white in any way? Why wasn't I proud of my culture, my heritage? Why didn't I not want to go to Chinese school? Was it because going to school on a Sunday was shit? Or was it because I was rejecting my culture? There's just so many thoughts on this. Going back to my original point, yes, I have been racist too. And I definitely still have racist thoughts. And I think that's really important to acknowledge. But as long as we do acknowledge it, and as long as we do challenge it always, because this is a long-term thing, guys. This is not just... One sprint, Black Lives Matter was not just a trend. Like, it certainly, I felt the effects of it dying down, certainly, as social media begins to feel, I don't even want to say the word normal, because normal wasn't good. We don't want it to go back to normal, but we're definitely seeing less people share things about Black Lives Matter now. Being anti-racist is not just a trend for now. It's something that we're always going to have to work on. I'm always going to have to challenge myself when I have racist thoughts pop up because it's embedded and indoctrinated in us so much that it's going to take years of unlearning for us to truly be anti-racist. 
I just wanted to put that out there that I am not saying I have said some awful things in the past to do with Chinese people, to do with black people. I hold my hands up to say that I've said some things that are so ignorant and stupid and mean and awful. And it's not something that I want to be anymore. And I don't want to do that anymore. I think we, we've all grown up. We've all realised the effects of casual racism, of overt racism, of subtle racism in the media. We've all noticed the effects of it. So I just want to sign off to say that basically, that we all have racist thoughts and it's all about challenging them and just holding yourself accountable, holding ourselves accountable and other people accountable. So that's essentially what I wanted to say for today's episode. I know it's a tiny bit not that structured. I mean, when are they ever structured? Come on. Like, if you've listened long enough, you'll know that I just throw these things together. I do have a Google Doc, but it's usually just me writing down notes furiously five minutes before I'm about to start recording, unless there's like a guest on and I'll do the stalking and the research beforehand. But it usually is just a bit of a ramble because that's how we roll here at But Where Are You From? Some podcasts that are so great at structuring and like planning episodes in advance. But honestly, I don't like to work in that way. I don't, I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again, like, I like to do things like this because, I don't know, it's raw and unedited and it's just me, isn't it? So there you go. So anyway, I really hope you are all staying safe. This weekend, we're allowed to go out to the pubs and restaurants. Apparently they're all open again. Will you guys be going out? I don't think I will, but I will be meeting up with friends in gardens, etc. I just think they're going to be packed. Everyone's going to be pissed. And I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready just to jump into the world of like just sitting next to strangers again just yet. As much as I want and Nando's and dim sum and why did I say Nando's first? My God, that is me assimilating white culture again, isn't it? Um, as much as I want, yeah, dim sum, Sichuan hot pot, you know, all the good stuff. But I'm just gonna wait. I'm just gonna wait. Oh, also Facebook group. I've had a couple of people say they want a Facebook group. I don't know whether it warrants a Facebook group because that's just two people. <laughs> so it'll be me and you guys. Is that going to be fun? Just me and three of the people, two of the people in a Facebook group. It, it's going to be really quiet. Who wants to be in a Facebook group with just me and another person? Is that really sad? It's like a really shit party that no one wants to come to. Oh, story of my life. Anyway, bye.